Hello and welcome. You're listening to today's episode of CryptoCast, your daily dose of cryptography. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Sir George Scovell. Sir George Scovell was in the British Army and played an imperative role in deciphering the secret messages sent by the French during the Napoleonic Wars. Not only did he succeed in breaking the Army of Portugal code, but he also broke the Great Paris Cipher too. This is part one of our two-part series on Sir George. Here he is, and this is his story. Have you ever seen 200 men sleep so peacefully? Almost as if they were completely safe from a pending attack? The glowing embers of the dying campfires providing some warmth to the freezing December air. Sayonel rallied his men and pounced. So fast it happened that the few sentries that the French had stationed were captured instantly, rendering them useless. 180 Frenchmen were captured that night. Sionil, the chieftain of this band of Spanish guerrillas, was inspecting the spoils when he glanced upon an intricate saddle. It belonged to a secretary of King Joseph. Sionil asked him to open it. He complied. A broad smile broke out across Sionil's face. It was silver. Well, it wasn't really silver, but it would turn into that once he handed it over to Lord Wellington, the commander-in-chief of the British Army. Its actual contents were much different. There were documents encrypted with the King's Great Cipher, also known as the Great Paris Cipher. Wait a minute, that's not how it was. You're starting at the end with those Spanish rules. Allow me to tell my story. It all began some years earlier when I was put in charge of the Corps of Guides. Hearing that name makes you think of them as somewhat reliable, somewhat trustworthy, right? Well, you'd be wrong. They were an odd bunch. There were Italian, Swiss, Portuguese and Spanish deserters who would do anything for the little money that the British Army paid for them. My job was to lead them in perfecting the Army's communication. It was a thankless task and, while I'm not one who will work myself to death for nothing, I knew that this could be my chance to show off my skills as a linguist. After all, I didn't want to spend my whole life stuck inside with that band of misfits. My ambitions were too great for that. I wanted to be out there, leading men, charging into battle, in all our British glory. But alas, it was what it was, and I needed to get the job done. It was with the guides that I first encountered and became fascinated by cryptoanalysis. I remember it well. The spring of 1811, we received a new batch of intercepted messages from Marmont and other staff in the army of Portugal. There was a problem with these letters. These letters were not simple to read because they were encrypted in a very strange way. These letters had some text in plain French, and the rest of it was a bunch of numbers, from 1 to 150. Upon further inspection, I realized that each of these numbers stood for something. Some letters, and some words perhaps. Cracking this bizarre cipher was next impossible, I thought. That would have been true had the lazy old French fully enciphered their messages. But they didn't. They wanted to save time. And so, I was able to glean the context of the messages from the clear text. From this context, I was able to guess at the enciphered parts of the messages. This works in the same way that we can infer meaning of a new word, due to the structure of the rest of the sentence. For example, let's take the sentence. The French procrastinated by wasting time drinking instead of enciphering their messages correctly. We don't necessarily have to know the meaning of the word procrastinated to understand it in this context, because its meaning is in the sentence. Now, imagine the word procrastinated was swapped with 14 different numbers. It wouldn't be very difficult to guess what word was meant to be there. And by matching these numbers with their respective letters, 
we know the meaning of 14 out of the possible 150 numbers. After that, we simply check the other letters to see if these 14 numbers were present, substituting them for their letter equivalent. We repeated the process with each letter, we repeated the process with each letter, and as our knowledge of the meaning of more numbers increased, the easier it became to decipher more letters. We carried on this cycle, gathering more speed and knowledge in this decipherment in the same way that a snowball gathers more snow and more speed as it rolls down a hill. We cracked the army of Portugal cipher in two days. You would think that breaking this cipher, which allowed us to know all the plans of our enemies, the dreaded French, would count as grounds for some sort of reward or promotion, wouldn't you? Well, unfortunately during that time, in order to be promoted, you either had to have great wealth or great connections in order to pay for a higher ranking position. Preferably both. Nevertheless, I persisted, getting better and better at breaking these codes and at the same time gaining the trust of my commander, Lord Wellington. Eventually, whenever the French would change their ciphers and create stronger forms of encryption, I was entrusted with breaking them. The most difficult and most important cipher I had to crack was the Great Paris cipher used by Joseph, the King of Spain. The Great Paris cipher worked in a similar way to the Army of Portugal cipher in that its end format was numbers. Instead of only having 150 possible numbers like before, this time it had 1,400. Not only did it allow for substitution of letters and words, but it also substituted syllables. As well as this, the Great Cipher was a type of homophonic substitution cipher. In simple terms, what that meant was that there were many values for a certain letter, syllable or word. For example, the letter E might have 16 possible equivalent numbers in ciphertext. This meant that the tried-and-true method of frequency analysis would prove futile in trying to break this cipher. Although this code was, once again, well-nigh impossible to break, I managed to do it. So how did I break it, you ask? By stroke of genius? By sheer luck? By brute force? Well, it wasn't quite any of these three, to be quite honest. Rather, it was the laziness and stupidity of the French yet again which caused their downfall. Once again, they had failed to encrypt the whole message. This allowed me to use context once again to guess at the inside proportions which, once again, revealed the meaning of more numbers and, once again, the cycle continued. I didn't crack it as fast as I had done so previously, but I had had it so complete at the end of the campaign of 1812 that I was able to decipher the whole letter, including the date, from Joseph to his brother Napoleon. This decipherment ended up allowing Wellington to strategize against Joseph and thus, defeat him at the Battle of Vittoria. Our understanding of the Great Cipher would have proved useful in other battles like this. However, due to some Spanish fools, the French knew that their cipher had been compromised. When these Spanish men captured the caravan on some cold night in December in hope of wealth, they uncovered a saddle which belonged to a secretary of King Joseph. He was carrying documents, and amongst those lay the table to encipher and decipher messages allowing the secretary to communicate Joseph's thoughts to his other commanders. Once the French had found out this information had been compromised, they stopped all usage of the Great Paris Cipher. The only good thing to come out of those Spanish thieves' greed was that the revelation of the table proved my skill and accuracy in cryptoanalysis. Fortunately, soon after, Joseph was recalled to France and thus eliminated the need of decrypting future letters. However, my job as a cryptographer was far from over. Well, you heard it from the man himself, Sir George Scovell. Thank you for taking the time to tell us about your interesting story. And also, thank you to the listeners for listening in. 
And remember, if you want to hear more about Sir George Scovell, he will be back next week for part two of this two-part series. Next week, Sir George will tell us about the rest of his cryptography career and also how he managed to overcome the social hierarchy and move up the ranks of the army. Once again, thank you from the CryptoCast team and we look forward to you listening in next week.